that's what I think is key to entrepreneurs and people who start something is they got to be comfortable with the fact that success is not a guarantee and it might even be a low probability. But being in the fight is worth it. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Today's guest is someone I've been wanting to get on the show for a long time. Blake McCoskey is the founder of Tom's, and he is the person behind the one-for-one model, the buy-one-give-one model. You might be familiar with Tom's Shoes. Tom's has given away more than 86 million pairs of shoes, and they are a for-profit company, a double bottom line, a do-good, do-well This is all Blake's brainchild. He has one of the most innovative business minds I've ever been exposed to. And today he shares not only his story, but what's next. He had a recent Why Not Now moment, and within days, he mobilized this into action. He actually mobilized almost 700,000 people within days to take action. I truly believe that it is people like Blake who are making the biggest changes in our world and solving some of the biggest problems by using business and getting creative as entrepreneurs and getting creative with solutions. And that means generating business and actually generating profit using the economy to be a force of change and to be a part of that formula. And so for all of you who are considering starting a business or maybe you have an existing business and you're thinking about changing up the economic model, make sure you listen and take notes because what Blake's learned and what he's done and continues to do is not only innovative, but it is solving problems, big problems. And his company is also obviously very successful. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. 
Visit poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. And you can hear the story about poopery in our interview with founder Susie Batiste. That's Why Not Now, episode 28. Poopery is also available at Bed Bath & Beyond. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Glad to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. In the spirit of Why Not Now, let's hop right in. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you asked yourself, why not now? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> um, it, that, that question is probably more relevant than any other question you could ask me right now. Just a, a little over two weeks ago, unfortunately, my wife called me and told me about a shooting that happened in Thousand Oaks, just 15 minutes away uh, from where we live. And my wife uh, was pretty emotional on the phone, and she said that she was not going to take our son to school that day because she was scared, and she was thinking that she was wanting to homeschool him now, which would be a major decision for our life. And I listened to her just talk in great fear as she recounted many shootings that had happened in the last couple months that had been on the news. And she said to me, and I think said to the world, she said, someone has to do something about this. This is this is just not acceptable anymore in this country. And we got off the phone, and I knew that she was asking that question and saying that rhetorically. But for whatever reason, everything in my in my being and my soul told me that, that that question was actually directed at me, that I needed to do something. And the company, Tom's, that I built, I uh, needed to do something because we built that company to create a better tomorrow you know, millions of people who bought our shoes the years bought them because they wanted to see change take place. And when I asked myself a question, actually, I said, if, if not us, who? And if not now, when? And so I sent a very impassioned email to my CEO and board that kicked off a series of meetings, which led to Tom's making uh, the largest financial contribution in the history of the United States to ending gun violence, about $5 million through the company and about $3 million additionally. Uh, for my wife and I, and also a commitment to give every American a chance to have their voice be heard. And so in four days, we built a technology on our website uh, that allows uh, someone to come to toms.com and to send a postcard to their local representative, uh, urging them to pass universal background checks, which is something 90% of Americans are in favor of. Since we uh, launched this campaign, I launched it on the Jimmy Fallon show just uh, not even two weeks ago now. Um, we've had over 690,000 Americans come to the website and send postcards, and we're already getting uh, messages from different members of Congress that they want to meet, and it seems that it really can work. Oh, Jesus is incredible. I have, I have goosebumps, and it's, uh, you know, you said, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And so sometimes the question of why not now is really why not me? And it seems like you yeah. had that after this conversation with your wife of someone has to do something about it. And you took that on. The turn on this, Blake, was so quick. It's really fascinating. I actually got a a text message from Jake as as you were all kind of putting this together so quickly. And he said, you know, we're launching this program. I think it was Monday. Well, it was for Fallon, right? So it was your, yeah. your Fallon appearance. And do you know someone who's, you know, an expert in this field or something? And I was like, geez, that's 
That's pretty quick. I didn't realize that you would put it together so quickly. I thought this was just kind of a, hey, we're needing someone last minute for, for some help on something. And it's fascinating to see how something of this magnitude can be pulled together. And it's, especially with an organization the size of Tom's, it's not like you're a scrappy young startup anymore. Well, we so, sure have been. We sure have been. It felt like it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. I, for anyone who watched the Jimmy Fallon clip, you see, I get quite emotional on the show. And afterwards, I've kind of thought about that because I really didn't expect to get emotional. I mean, I'd been, you know, been working on this for 24 hours a day, seven days a week for about seven days when I went on the show. And I felt like I was tired, but I wasn't really emotional. But what I realized is part of the reason I got so emotional was I was just so damn proud of Tom's and all the people in the Tom's community and family that had come together in less than a week to really uh, make something historic happen in our country. And I think that's also why I was so emotional. I just couldn't believe that there I was on Jimmy Fallon and he was getting ready to send the first postcard. And this was not even an idea, you know, six days earlier. And it was just, it was, it was just overwhelming to me. And still now we're only two weeks later and you know, I still like, I mean, I kind of got choked up in the office yesterday, just seeing people just charging and working and collaborating. And I've never seen this at Tom's. I mean, even in the early days of Tom's, it was, you know, in the startup days, you had some of that. But, you know, Tom's is 12 years old. We've got 400 employees around the world. And and it's an amazing organization. But now to see this 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 life and what it taught me and what it has taught me is if there's something worth fighting for, people have it in them. You know, we're all kind of sleeping giants when it comes to that. And when something is activated that just doesn't feel right and doesn't feel just, you can see an amazing group of people come together and they put all their own needs and, and desires and wants aside and they and they work towards a common goal. And, and that's that's what's been happening. So it's been really phenomenal. It is. It's, it's a reminder for all of us that it doesn't take months or a year or quarters to plan and execute something with major impact. When you get that passion and that fire and purpose fueling you, it's it's pretty remarkable what we can do as human beings, and you've proven that. I mean, within days, this is launched. So just for listeners, and, and I've been through the process and sent my postcard, which was super Thank seamless, you. absolutely. And uh, I really invite everyone listening to go and do the same. You go to toms.com, and it's it's such a quick process. It seems like you're you're intentionally starting with something that's, what, 90% of Americans agree on universal background checks, Right. That, which yeah. that in itself is a little bit, I, I think, of awareness building and education in itself that, no, this is something that we're all pretty much on the same side with. And can you talk through the process a little bit of how the postcard gets sent to your representative? Yeah. So basically what we recognize is, is that a lot of people don't even know who the representative is. And we want to make that really easy. Uh, we also know that a lot of Gen Z and yeah, you know, don't even have any ever sent a postcard before. Um, <laughs> so, so we said okay, but we know that physical postcards make a difference, and that they can overwhelm their offices, and that's kind of what you need in order for a representative to feel the desires of the constituents they represent. So, so yeah, so it's really simple. Basically, once you put your name and address in, you get send that uh, goes to our mailing house that we we're partnering with. 
they print a unique postcard with your name and your, your return address. And then Tom's pays for the postage for it to be sent. And so now when these representatives are getting their mail, they have to sort through thousands of postcards to find the mail that they want. And so it's, it's, it's going to be uh, really, really fun to see how this, uh, how this affects them as they go into their Congress meeting in early January when uh, we believe universal background checks will be on the House floor. <laughs> what, what amazing ROI for your efforts. Yeah. To, well, and, that's the thing. Yeah. One thing I will say is really important and I'm really happy is when people send the postcard, we have an opportunity for you to opt in to, you know, so we can continue to keep you updated with what's going on. And like 98% of people are opting in. Um, and what's great about that is those people are going to be able to hear and learn that, you know, when this does get passed, and I truly believe it's going to, within within a couple of months, they're going to have taken an action and then seen something happen in our government that hadn't even happened in the Obama administration. And so if you think about it, that's historic. And, and, and everyone's going to get to celebrate how their one action made a difference. And I hope what that does is, is kind of create even more activism among the people who participated. And, and as we think about the Tom's brand, we're not going to stop with ending gun violence. Now, uh, we part of our decision here was to really just evolve our model in general. And so now, instead of just giving shoes as we're known for, we've given 86 million children shoes around the world in the past 12 years. We're going to also really be smart about looking at what are the issues uh, of our time that we feel just aren't right and how can we use our brand and our financial resources uh, to direct our community towards those issues to make positive change. So ending gun violence is the first one and we're going to, we have a, still a long way to go. So if you're listening and you haven't sent a postcard or even if you have sent a postcard and you know some of your friends haven't, please, please share uh, that this is this is happening, especially, you know, we need this for the next five to six weeks before Congress gets in session. But we're going to attack other things, too. And that's that's one thing I think that's really exciting is this one quick decision is actually going to have reverberating effects on the history of Tom's for many, many years. It's amazing how um, that one conversation with your your wife has helped transcend Tom's beyond. I mean, I know that you've beyond shoes you've done a lot of other things for the for the globe but now it's it's just how a conversation can can ignite that and you know you've always used business as a well starting with Tom's years ago as a way to create change and it's the smartest way to do things right it's like there's nothing more powerful than voting with your dollars and using the economy to to drive change so it's almost like as you evolve, and it's not like you are an expert probably in gun laws or in gun control, and you, you teach yourself, how does this feel different to you from when you first started with launching the concept of Tom's? Do you just feel like your your brain works differently and you're continuing to hone the skill of using business? It's like... um you're not an entrepreneur. You're an activistpreneur. <laughs> you're an activepreneur. <laughs> um, well, I think, I think the interesting thing is, and I've heard this from other entrepreneurs before, is that you know they they have a, a desire in their life or they have something that really moves them um, that's just at their core, and they end up using business as a way to activate that. So sometimes it's creativity, right? You have people who are just you know really really creative inventor types and they create businesses to see their inventions and their ideas you know enter into the world i think deep down at my core 
I was built and born to, you know, to kind of fight for the underdog. Uh, just, I've, I've always loved every underdog movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always felt a connection to anyone who's been down on their luck, um, who has been, you know, um, I've always been connected to the poor. I mean, as a young kid, I used to go, you know, volunteer with the homeless. And I just, that's just been my, who I am and, and it's in me. And so I use business as a way to fight for the underdog. And it started with helping kids who don't have shoes get shoes. And it moved to helping people who are blind get eyesight through our sunglass program at Tom's. Uh, and then this is another example of that of, you know, and, and the sad thing in this is the underdog in this is 90% of Americans, yeah. you know? So it's like the, the dang politicians are not listening to the country that they represent. And so it's going to take something this big and crazy and financially risky to to get them. But I think that's why I'm excited about the future of Tom's is like we can continue to, to hone in on, you know, who are the underdogs in our society and how can we help them? And so to me, I just feel really lucky that I get to use business and business is, is proven a great uh, instrument to do what, what I love and that's helping the underdog. And you've inspired so many entrepreneurs to think differently, to do the same. It's it's amazing because you are training people to understand that their voice does matter. And if they do take action, they can start to see results. Um, and so I love that full circle loop of communicating back to the the constituents that have sent postcards of what's going yeah. on now with, with what you did, even though it took three seconds, look at what you were able to do with, with your click of a button. So, wow. And as you look at your, your world now, um, pre-Toms and getting started as a startup in your apartment, and then now what you're doing, how does work-life juggle or balance look differently to you? You know, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's amazing how everything happens for a reason. So one of the things that I have been working on the past year and a half is a program uh, with a friend of mine who is a, an ex-Navy SEAL, amazing human being, uh, about how do, we, how do we in this modern, in modern life with all this digital distraction and all these screens and all the you know, kind of demands on our time, how do we, how do we look at developing the mindset to really have a, a life balance that, that works for us in this time period. And we've actually been developing a program, interestingly enough, that will help people really understand the people who are thriving and flourishing the most in their life. Like what are the common habits and characteristics uh, that they share? And it's so funny because we've been working on this and I've been, you know, I've been moderately involved in Tom's the last couple of years, but not anything compared to what it's been like the last 18 days. And what I've found is I've actually had to practice the program I've been working on so intensely just to keep my energy levels up and my mental clarity. And so I'm actually excited sometime next year, probably in about six or eight months, we'll have it available and we'll, and we'll publish it for others to use as well. Because it is, you have to be really, really thoughtful and very um, purposeful in order to not get caught up and, and lose your balance. Because when you lose your balance, not only is it not good for your personal life and your family life and, and your health, but it also, I think, affects the type of decisions you make. And I've had to make a lot of very fast decisions with a lot of clarity uh, over the past 18 days. And I don't think I could have done that with the efficiency I have had I not been thinking about what are the kind of hacks to really um, 
to, to really optimizing my life over the past year and a half. So it's mm-hmm. funny how everything kind of works for a reason. I'm excited to to learn more. Can you share any teasers or tips or tricks that you've been yeah. implementing just to to keep your <laughs> your I'll balance? Say, I'll say well, one thing. I'll say. I mean, it's just a, it's a fundamental piece in this. Um, there's so many different like physical and mental. But one of the things that I've I've studied a lot in this is the power of gratitude. And really, when you are actively practicing, whether it's journaling or writing thank you notes or even sending people a, a thank you video from your phone. Something about gratitude helps over helps like really deal with stress and other aspects that can have, you know, raise your cortisol levels and, mm. and create anxiety and high blood pressure and all these things that aren't good. Just like every day, just no matter what, just finding things to be grateful for. And I found that in the last 18 days, I've just continually every day been trying to focus on no matter how hard it's been or how exhausted I've been is all the people and things that I'm grateful for, like grateful for you right now for doing this podcast, because now more people are going to learn about what we're doing and more people are going to send postcards and more action is going to be taken. And so, you know, instead of being like, oh man, I have to wake up at 530. I'm so tired. I'm like, I'm, I'm leaning into, I get to wake up at 530 and I'm so grateful because now more people are going to learn. And so, yeah, so that's one of, of many things that we've been studying, but that's a really powerful one. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you are digging this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It just takes a moment and it means a ton to us. Also, after recording more than 100 episodes, I've created a bit of a cheat sheet on the top five things I've learned from renegades and how they get from idea to action, from dreaming to doing. I will email you the downloadable PDF when you subscribe to my newsletter. Just head to amyjoemartin.com and click on connect with me. I love it. We see about two episodes ago around Thanksgiving, we did a dedicated episode on gratitude as a strategy and talked through. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to listen. Please do. Because that's, I mean, it is a strategy. It's Mm -hmm. not, people think of it as a kind of a, a, a kind of a fluffy, soft, you know, practice, but I think it's, as, it's, it's as, I love the word strategy around it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what my computer um, screensaver says is gratitude is a strategy, literally. And it's physio- oh, <laughs> yes, we're on the same page. I Physiologically, scientists, I guess, say that we can't feel fear and gratitude at the same time, which is that's pretty exactly right. fascinating, yeah. right? It's like, well. You, you read some of the stuff that I have. That's awesome. <laughs> that's what's wonderful. Okay, so you have... You know, one of the things I love about what you're doing right now is this is not red, blue, left, right, young, old. This is just literally nine, 90%. <laughs> Nine out of every 10 people you walk by today feel the same way about universal um, background checks. So, and I, I used to live in Las Vegas, and shortly after I moved were the shootings. Um, and it was this most bizarre experience to wake up the morning after the mass shooting and, and have text messages just, and I get chills thinking about it and tear up thinking people just everybody checking in on everyone going into Facebook and doing the, the check-in safety and having a few friends that aren't checking in and worrying about them. And, and then having friends that were there that were running for their lives. There was one friend, Jen, who's actually been on this show and 
she shares her story of literally feeling like she was in a video game being shot at. And mm. and as as you I guess where I'm going with this is this is an amazing first step. And I think one of the brilliant things is you're building a you're building a foundation of people and some a tribe of people ready to rally. Where do you go next? Are, and, and I know on Fallon, you left it pretty open that, you know, you're you're really looking at Tom's to tackle some of the big, important, considerable issues and, and causes of our time. Are you at liberty right now to kind of share a little bit of a hypothetical roadmap? Of course, you've been inundated with this project. <laughs> but are you thinking are you going to stay in a similar swim lane? Is what What's your next kind of area of focus? Well, it's interesting. You know, um, I always just share like this raw as it gets. Like literally yesterday, I was meeting with our CEO and he's an amazing man um, and my real partner in, in business life. And uh and and he was saying like okay like like this is this is working like people are doing I mean like everything that you had hoped is happening in terms of activated you know he's like and so what you know what well, how do we start thinking about what's next like what are the key characteristics and I said I don't know if you're gonna like the answer here um, mm-hmm. because it's not something you can really put a put a you know to a business plan I said I said I, I think it's just got to be like we've got to feel it in our gut like it's like it's got to be something that just viscerally happens that just kind of says whoa like like that's not cool like that's someone needs to stand up for that issue or that person and it probably has to be really personal and I know that's not like a scalable sometimes business strategy but right now a I'm so focused on you know I mean there's a lot of work still to be done like we need to get to the millions and millions of postcards sent mm. and we need to get to you know we need to get to where senators are literally saying that they're going to switch their opinion or their vote before it even gets to the Senate to win this thing so we have a long way to go but I just so I can't really even put myself in that headspace but I said my my everything's telling me is that it will be very clear what is next when it's time for what's next. And that's not exactly what people at the executive level like to hear because it's hard to plan a strategy around that. But I, at least today, that's what I feel. I feel like, you know, let's stay focused on this. Let's put it out into the universe and to the world that we are ready and standing by both financially and, and organizationally to fight the next fight and let it present itself when it's the right time. So at least that's today how I'm feeling. Well, I love that too because as a lot of people who are listening, they are their why not now is to shift and pivot career wise into becoming an entrepreneur. And we talk a lot about intuition on this show, and and again back to the word strategy and trying to navigate away from the potential perception that it's fluffy or whatever. But clearly, when you made this decision to press go. On, on this initiative, it was a deep down, there's no option, you're doing this. And if that clarity is there, it makes sense that you would f- keep following that. Um, would you say that current events and timeliness of, of something that's just kind of rocked our nation is, is part of that formula? Let's just say, for example, you know, the fires and, and things going on in California or do you feel like that was pretty important to your your momentum? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think I think you'd be careful because 
and this look, I mean, really, you know, it's some of the more, I would say, risk adverse and cautious people at Tom said one of their objections when I was trying to sell this through was, is this just going to look opportunistic? And I said, I said, look, like this in some levels, yes, it is optimistic because the only way change happens is if you have people's attention and we have people's attention right now, just like my wife. And so if we want to galvanize the country to do something, yeah, you got you got to do it when the people are paying attention. Mm-hmm. So it is opportunistic in that way. At the same time, I think that when we think about, you know, we, there, I do think that there is a responsibility Tom's will now have to choose things that can that, that people can ha- celebrate victories on and that really have an opportunity to make a difference. And so I think, you know, we need to be ready and prepared. Um, but at the same time, we can't just jump on anything and everything that happens in the news because it might not be the right time. I actually feel like, you know, and, and there's, you know, I don't know exactly how I'll ever describe feeling I had in the car after I talked to my wife and how I had such clarity uh, that it that it was us and it was now. But, you know, I also feel like that the, the, the country was actually ready for this. Like, I mean, that's the reason why so many people, I mean, we haven't spent any money hardly on, on marketing or advertising. And we've had, you know, hundreds of articles written and, and hundreds of celebrities posting and, and, and amazing, you know, um, people, you know, getting their, their companies to follow suit. And I think part of it is, is that, you know, we took a bold step, but the country, I think, is just, I, I hear the word enough is enough a lot, you know, like they're just kind of like, we have, like, we're at, a, we're at a breaking point in our country now with gun violence. And so as we think about what the future looks like, I think that what we need to do as a company is unpack what, why all these elements together have, has created such uh, a visceral reaction from from Americans who who participated and then and then try to recreate that the next time something is at this exact same point. So look, it might be a year from now, it might be two years from now. I don't know when the next time will be, but I think it's now that we know that we've given ourselves kind of this permission to be ready. As long as we're ready, then then I think we'll like I said, I think we'll know in our gut when it's the right time. That makes sense, and and you know you're you're capable now too. Your team's like, oh no, we did that really quick. I wonder what yeah. next time, yeah, right? I know. That's, that's <laughs> the thing that people just are so afraid of now because because they, they know that I know we have this muscle, right? And uh, and, and but you know that's also why I got to be as a founder. I have to be really smart and thoughtful because yes, I sure. have a unique ability to kind of help get people to move mountains in a very short period of time. But that's because I haven't asked them to do that in many years. Right. So, you know, if I ask them to do it again six months from now, I don't know if I, my retention at Tom's would be very good. <laughs> because, I mean, people were literally bringing their kids to work on the weekends. They were at the office till, you know, midnight. I mean, things that just, especially at a business our size, just doesn't happen. And so I don't want to take advantage of the fact that I know that we could do that if we needed to. But I really want to be thoughtful as to when the next time is. And maybe, look, maybe the next time it's, time to do something we won't have to do it in six days Mm -hmm. you know maybe it will be something that we can actually take some time um because as as well as the campaign has worked i i mean look if we had another even two weeks to do some things we could have even made it even more uh viral and efficient i believe and back to your intuition for a second Clearly, you've honed that, or you just have a a very clear um, ability to listen to that voice, that that feeling. If 
someone's listening and they're really they're they're trying to optimize and and get better at being able to turn up the volume on that that inner knowing. Any advice for them? I think the important thing is is to take time. Uh, and this kind of goes back to also the other program I've been working on for the past year and a half is find time to be quiet. Ideally, if you can find time each week to be in nature, find time to spend some time journaling, breathing, meditating. We are so distracted with so much going on that it's really hard to know what voice is truly your voice unless you're spending time with it. Um, so that would be my my advice. And, and, and I think that's why I was able to discern with such clarity and conviction is that I do spend a considerable amount of time each day, each week, you know, really just um, being quiet. If we switch gears for a moment to um, the do good, do well, double bottom line, just different way, an option of doing business, the one for one model that you've that you've really created and championed and, and put on the map for other people to, to play with. Um, for people who are putting together their economic model right now and trying to figure out, you know, let's say they're passionate about a cause and they've they've considered the nonprofit route, they've maybe considered, you know, for profit and they're looking at this this hybrid. What types of considerations would you maybe throw their way or questions you'd ask them to get clarity on? Or any advice, really? I think the most important thing is is that you really, you really are passionately connected to whatever good you're trying to do. I think what's happened over the past twelve years since I started Tom's is a lot of entrepreneurs have seen that incorporating giving and a purpose into their business can be a, a good business strategy, and I I think that's great that they've realized that. Um, I think when it doesn't work is when it just looks like a marketing or business strategy, and it doesn't come from the core of the founder. Uh, or the founding team, and customers can sniff that out, and and that's when it doesn't work. So to me, it's like if if that is going to be part of what you do, then bravo, I love it. But just make sure it that there's a really uh, authentic and passionate backstory as to why you made that decision. Mm, amazing. I I learned and got to know Liz Powers through your team and the, your social oh. entrepreneurship fund with Art Lifting, yeah. and have advised yeah. a little bit with her. And um, Jake had connected me with her a few years ago, and it's I, she's been on the show actually, and I've done an interview. And, f- and for listeners, um, please go back and check out the episode. But she's an incredible female entrepreneur and has one of the most unique takes, I think, on this this concept um, because. You know, she's she's taking artists who have disabilities and or are homeless and helping them sell their work. And I may be simplifying that, but check out art art lifting if you if you can. I just thought that was such a creative solution and it's built in and baked in to her economic model and business model. Your your point about creativity earlier and and getting creative with solutions is where we're headed. I mean, we have to be, it seems. And we're only limited by our imagination is what's so exciting. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, that's a perfect example of the type of organizations that me and my wife spend a lot of time investing in these days. Liz is a great, great example. I use that one all the time because it's it's literally helping those uh, who are struggling and who are homeless you know, use a skill and a gift that they've been given to create an economic means of, of, of lifting themselves out of poverty. I mean, it's amazing. And so, 
you know, I give, I give uh, original paintings to people for holiday gifts all the time. Uh, we were, I think, one of the very first investors in art lifting, and we've been a very proud supporter. But that's the type of, like, that's, the, that's when it really works. Because, mm-hmm. like, when you had her on the show, I'm sure your listeners were, like, really inspired, and many of them probably went and participated by buying a piece of art. So that's really great. Yes, absolutely. I give a lot of guests um, paintings, too, for, as thank yous. And I love to be able to share the story and be like, this is Paul, and this is a story. And it's just amazing to be able to hang that on your wall. And every time you walk by it, you're like, wow, look at what, you know, who did this and what they're they're able to do for themselves. You've tackled some some huge problems with really innovative solutions using business, Blake, they're big. How do you not get overwhelmed at the get-go? What's something that you do to help yourself just step by step? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question. And and I think it's one, frankly, unfortunately, it's the one that probably keeps people from doing anything because they see a problem, they see an issue. They have an idea of, oh, this could help that issue or this could solve that or this could, you know, but then they then immediately their, their whatever side of the brain is the rational side, I always forget. Um, says to them, yeah, but that problem's so big, your effort's not going to make a difference. So like in this case, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been played out. Like when my wife called me, she says, someone's got to do something. And I think, oh, I could do something. Tom's could do something. We can get our community activated here. Then I could have easily have gone to, well, you know, universal background checks didn't even get passed in the Obama administration. It's sure not going to get passed in this administration. That'd be a lot of work and a lot of money. And I probably wouldn't even be successful. So I'm just going to do something else. Like mm-hmm. that's what happens 90% of the time when people come up with an idea that could create positive change. I think the key is, is to say like, you know, and really think about all the changes and the amazing moments in our country and our history and, and recognize that every single one of them, every single founder, every single activist, every single politician had those same thoughts of, there's the chances of this being successful are probably not good and being comfortable with that. And so, you know, that's what I think is key to entrepreneurs and people who start something is, you know, they got to be comfortable with the fact that success is not a guarantee and it might even be a low probability, but being in the fight is worth it. And one of my favorite uh, quotes or passages I've ever read is, is from Theodore Roosevelt. And it's called the man in the arena. And I like mm-hmm. to say the man or woman in the arena. And it's really, you know, it, it talks about basically just to have been in the arena. I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, you know, whether you win or lose, it doesn't really matter. But to know that you were not one of the kind of meek and timid souls that stayed out, that you went in and you got in the arena. And and that's that, that quote has been on my desk um, and now on my office wall. For a long time, actually, one of my best friends is a is an amazing country artist, Dirk Bentley, mm-hmm. and it's actually one of his favorite quotes I found recent, recently too, as we were talking. And 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 I think that it's just one of these things that if you can kind of you can kind of keep that in the in the back of your mind, that, you know, the real the real goal, the real hope is that you get time in the arena. Then then that's how you move from idea to execution without getting caught up and being overwhelmed with how big the problem might be. Such a good point. I love it. What's one lesson you find yourself learning over and over? Mm, the lesson I is that physical presence in this digital age is still really, really important. 
I think I tried to trick myself into believing the past five or six years, especially with Tom's, that I could be uh, impactful within the organization still with Skype and and conference calls and working remotely. And I think that, yes, technology allows us to do that. But there's nothing that gets people stirred up and activating and moving with urgency than you physically being there. Mm, what a good reminder. And just final question, Blake, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, man. <laughs> Rest up. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> crazy. Um, no, I, I, you know, gosh, let me think about that. That's such a good question. Um, I think to my younger self, I would say, you know, maybe put a little less pressure on yourself. You know, I think in my earlier years, my late 20s, early 30s, you know, I was I, I, I really put a lot of pressure on myself to get things right, to make make the most of opportunities. And a lot of great things have happened in my life. And, and, and we've made a lot of positive change. Um, but I think, you know, just I would, I would want to practice maybe a little more self-compassion, a little bit more patience uh, with myself. You know, I think there's been some unnecessary stress and anxiety through the years that I didn't need to have that probably hasn't been the best for my health or my relationships. So I say, look, it's a life is amazing because it, it literally, if you look at this, the span of humanity, like our life is faster than snapping your fingers. And at the same time, if you live life with consciousness and presence, it can actually feel like a really nice long time. And so, you know, I think is like, look, there's 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 times to act with great urgency, and this is one of them. But also, I think it's important to stop and reflect, and as they say, smell the roses on the little victories you have along the way. And sometimes, when when I was younger, I didn't do that. So that's what I would probably tell my younger self. Mm, that's a great note to uh, to end on. And thank you so much for the important work you're doing and have been doing. Like it's it's incredible, and I'm so honored to have had this conversation with you. Everybody's going to head to toms.com, check out what they can do to um, to really raise their voice and and make a difference. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Mm-hmm.